Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mino Line Media presents Business of the Beat. Hi, I'm Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and I am a founder, brand builder, entrepreneur, and believe in the mantra, Carpe Diem. I created this podcast, Business of the Beat, through my own experience as a beauty executive to talk about, tell stories, and highlight the business of beauty through conversations with beauty and wellness entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, helping to diversify the industry. This week on Business of the Beat. My generation is just not going to do that. Like, I'm not going to sit around in my bathroom and wait for 20 minutes for the oil to absorb. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just not going to do that. Where our attention spans are lower, we're moving at a faster pace, a faster pace. We just we need different products from what even those self care and body care principles that are being passed down. They even need to adapt to how we're living today. Hi everyone, I'm your host Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and welcome to Business of the Beat. Today's guest is Yasmin Sinab, founder of Abby. Amen. But before we get started, don't forget to follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and we love to hear from you. All right, everyone. Hailing from Jordan and Palestine, raised in Australia, and currently living in Paris, Yasmin epitomizes culture and class. One night while applying an anti-aging serum to her face, she thought, why are we not applying these to our bodies too? The serum she was using was too small and expensive to lather all over her entire body, so she scoured the internet for a similar product made for the body and came up short. Convinced she couldn't be the only one experiencing this problem, she set out to speak to other women in her community about their skincare routine. Countless hours and one-on-one interviews later, she realized that her findings had turned into something much bigger. These women told her about a set of pain points that went far beyond anti-aging. The ex-finance lawyer turned skincare junkie through inspiration from her family, cultures, and community to create Abiyame, a brand that was sparked out of a personal need, but born from the collective experiences of women all over the world. Yasmin, welcome to Business of the Beat. We did it. (laughs) Finally, technical difficulties. We survived. We made it. And it's so funny because that leads me into technology has actually been an interesting component for you in terms of building your brand, which I want to dive into because you've done something really special. Not only have you pivoted your career into the world of beauty and skincare, but you've also used your consumers as a way to make sure that you are hitting it on the nail. So as we jump in, I'd love to just start with you and your background and from lawyer to beauty. Tell us everything, Yasmin. Thank you so much. You're so right. I am forever going to be indebted to technology, specifically Zoom, because (laughs) 
I started the brand by having 1,000 conversations with women from all around the world. It was mid-pandemic, and so we used Zoom. We would, I would connect like this online and meet women and, and ask them about their skincare routines, ask them about their body care routines. I learned so much in those conversations, and uh, after a 1,000 of them, there was this really clear set of pain points things that we all find really annoying about taking care of our body for lack of a better phrase. And I thought, okay, I've learned so much. I know what we as a collective need. Now let me go and try and make products to solve these problems that I've heard about in these conversations. And I love that. It's so funny because it's like all of the different businesses that we've been able to create because we got into this mindset of virtual technology like Zoom is actually beneficial and can be used for good. And that's what I love about the fact because you 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 did make a career pivot. So talk me back from I'm going to have a thousand conversations with a thousand women and have this epiphany. What happened before that? And what was your career like leading into that? Wow, your memory, walking me down memory lane. So <laughs> I, the previous lifetime was a finance lawyer. I was working um, pretty long hours in Paris at the time for a pretty large firm. And I guess in my personal capacity, my kind of one of my joys outside of work was skincare. I was and still am a huge skincare junkie. I loved learning about ingredients, discovering new products, was really into my skincare routine. And mid probably like eight step skincare routine for my face at the time, I had this light bulb moment and I realized that I hadn't applied product to my body in an embarrassingly long time. Wow. Yet here I was layering all these amazing active ingredients and products on my face twice daily. So that was a light bulb moment, so to speak. And then I thought, okay, I have this issue with body care. I don't like applying body care. There are no products that I actually enjoy using. And then on top of that, this idea of, well, why am I not putting actives on my body? I'm only putting them on my face and, you know, I should be using vitamin C, retinol, all of these beautiful nourishing ingredients that I'm using on my face. But at the time, body care formulas with those active ingredients didn't exist. So this all started percolating in my brain and I thought, okay, I think there might be something here. Surely I'm not the only person that is having this experience. And so that was really the catalyst to start speaking to women. And I just started within my network friends. And then I would ask those friends to recommend, like introduce me to their friends. And I slowly worked my way out. And I also used social media to connect with strangers online, people I'd never met, who were just interested in talking about skincare and eager to understand what this strange person from the internet contacting them was was trying to achieve. So um, I just followed the breadcrumbs, so to speak. And then once I had started that piece of market research, I thought, okay, let me let me have a thousand of these conversations. They're so important and so valuable. So that was that's a bit of the backstory of how I got to having those one thousand calls. I love it, and it's funny because I was going to bring up your social media. It just makes you happy. I think the whole brand makes you happy and the way that you talk about it, the way that you've created a story. And it's really interesting to think about how we take care of our skin. And it's so funny. My daughter will probably kill me when she's older, but I was dropping her off at school and 
her little legs are so long and so beautiful. And I happened to see like under her shorts and she had only lotioned between like the end of her short and like her knee. So there was all this like as she's kids. And I was like, little love girl, you've got to like love your skin and like moisturize it. And we had a whole conversation about it. And it's just, it's so interesting because sometimes you just miss, we get so caught up to your point in our face that we forget that skin is our entire organ. Like it's the entire thing from, from head to toe. So I love how you talk about that. A hundred percent. And to be honest, I think it's funny because I have this love hate relationship with body care. Most of us know that we need to be taking care of the skin on our bodies. Our skin is our largest organ and most of it is found neck down, but the quality and style of body care products available today don't really inspire or motivate us to do that. And a lot of them are really annoying to use and just don't meet us where we need them to be, I think. Body care is so far behind skincare for the face and there hasn't been a lot of innovation in that category for a really long time, which is why I decided to launch Abbey Wow. Again, it goes back to this notion of to be so connected, right, from head to toe. But then you're right. We don't talk about it as much. And I don't know if it's because so much of it is covered until, of course, we get to the summer and then everyone's ready to start showing their body. But I love this kind of notion of summer skin because you talk about this philosophy of clean, made in France, active ingredients, recyclable packaging, vegan and cruelty-free, and it's interesting because a lot of what you talk about on IG is like dips the hyaluronic acid, but then we've been told in our minds, like, you know, the commercial where all the actresses are like hyaluronic acid, hyaluronic acid, and they're saying it. And so I feel like it became this fuzzy trend, but talk about how you've looked at summer skin and formulations and to your point, innovating in a space where there hasn't been innovation in so long. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I don't know where to start. I, I really nerd out on everything body care related. So, but I, you made me laugh because I know exactly what you mean about hyaluronic acid. I'm always joking. Like whoever hyaluronic acid's PR team is needs to start working for all of the other hydrating ingredients <laughs> out there that are way more effective. So yeah, there's, I guess to answer your question and, and probably to link it back in with those initial 1000 conversations. So I started the brand by having the 1000 conversations and part of our brand ethos post-launch has been that those conversations are so integral to who we are as a brand and how we go about our product development philosophy that I've committed to having those 1000 conversations every year with women. So I'm on DM, yeah, WhatsApp, um, any form of communication you can imagine. I'm on it three, four, five times a day with our community, our customers having conversations exactly like my first 1000 about their body care routines. But summer skin was really born from that process. And so I learned about these key pain points through those conversations. And you hit the nail on the head when you said, well, most of our skin's covered until it's not. And then when it's not, you want it to be but one of the biggest complaints that I heard from women was exactly what you said when it, my skin's not on show until it is. And that's when I want to be using body lotion, but it's too heavy and it's sticky and it sweats off my skin in the summer heat. We've all had that moment where you can feel when you're, when you're uncrossing your legs or you can just feel the residue of product on the body. 
you know exactly what I mean. I know what you mean. And you're like, oh, goodness gracious, it's a little slimy. Yes, we know. (laughs) So that's one thing, for example, that was a really common, you would, almost everyone I spoke to would recount in their own version that experience. And then when you start getting more nuanced, you realize, well, one of the other main pain points about body care is that there's so much surface level to cover. And because formulas haven't been updated and innovated in so long, you often get that chalk experience, you know, when you have to kind of rub in for a really long time to get the lotion to absorb into the skin. And so to do your whole body, it's really annoying. It takes so long to just, you're almost fatigued at the end of this rubbing and it's just not a pleasant experience. (laughs) It's so funny because I so relate to it. And I think that that's why even with my daughter, it's like, I'm just going to do the bare basics because it takes a second to get everything in. And my husband teases me because he's like, you're like a walking product. Like, please don't rub arms against me because it's just so much. It's funny that these universal problems that we're all experiencing, but because the category body care was so overlooked, no one was really thinking about any of these details. And so we just took the major ones. So that sweaty moment in the summer, frustration of the product being hard to apply. Um, and then we overlay all of that with the principle that it's skincare for your body. So it's skincare in terms of formulation. All of our products are really formulated with key active ingredients that hydrate, repair, nourish the skin on your body in the same way that you're doing that for your face. So Another one of the big issues in the body care space, again, because us as consumers, we're just not paying as much attention to the ingredients is that a lot of these body care products are made with what I call filler ingredients like and faux friends, stuff that makes your skin feel good in the short term but doesn't actually benefit the health of your skin for the long term. So it's skincare for your body and then that's our base principle and then the way we approach product formulation is we layer that problem-solving mindset on top of it. So it's Right, we know about these problems that our customer is experiencing, our community is experiencing because we're constantly talking to them. And then how can we take those and make products to solve them? And that's really the spirit behind Summer Skin, that that thought process is how we got to the product. Well, and I love the combination of it because I think as founders, you know, we have an idea based upon, yes, what we need. So sometimes our consumers get lost and we end up being kind of a focus group of one. And so if you look at your model of combining, you know, what are our goals? What are people saying and how do we then solve them? It's such a fantastic marriage. And I kind of want to ask, you know, when we think about these thousand conversations and I love the fact that you're refreshing them. Like, it's going to be such a great book for you to release, like, a thousand conversations multiplied by five. Like, (laughs) it's such a great book concept. And I just wonder, because you're Jordanian descent, you grew up in Australia, you landed in Paris, so you have your own cultural lens of what body care is. And then you talk to a thousand women all over. Were there synergies in terms from a cultural perspective that you have that's also rather nuanced? But then also talking to all these different people, like where there's synergies, where there are differences, like share some of the, the details of that data. You know, it was so fascinating. One of the biggest takeaways, and this might seem really simple, but for me, I was like, wow, this is really indicative of how we're feeling as a collective about body care. So it doesn't, it didn't matter where you came from. 
you could be in Hong Kong, in Amman, in LA, this, this applied across the board. So I would start every conversation with, so tell me about your skincare routine. So I wouldn't ask specifically about body care and only one woman out of a thousand. So 999 women, when answering that question, only spoke about their face. So where women don't consider skincare to be body care, it's almost sits in its own category, which I found really interesting. Um, so there were some really key takeaways, so to speak, that really applied across the board. And that was, that was one of them. So the mindset around skincare versus body care, this universal hatred of stickiness and chalkiness when trying to apply body care products, the sweating of the product in the heat. It do, again, doesn't matter where you come from or what your cultural background is. That was a blanket problem that women were experiencing. Brands that you would know, products you would know, they develop. So I was like, right, we need to work with them. They're the best people to develop this type of product because they know how to develop serums. And that's kind of where we're starting from as a base. But of course, they work with the world's major brands and major companies. So 999 women did not speak about their body care when answering that question without being prompted, which is such a strong indication about how we as a collective feel about body care versus skincare and this really big gap and discrepancy between how we're treating our face and how we're treating our body. It's so interesting, that discrepancy, and even thinking, I mean, one in a thousand. And it's interesting because there's the universal pieces of skincare, and I would say body care to a certain extent in terms of with skincare, you know that you're washing your face and you're doing something to it generally twice a day. Um, and then with body care, I feel like it's whenever you get out of the shower and all of a sudden it's like, okay, I've got it out of the shower. Let me go ahead and take care of my body from that perspective. But even when you think about kind of that notion and routines and rituals, were there kind of a nuanced approach to how different cultures even thought about body care or even defined body care? Because I think part of this is if our largest organ is skin, and that includes head to toe, how are we defining body care? And to your point, why are they different? And real ritualistically, how do we make sure that we're supporting both? Absolutely. I mean, I can speak from my personal experience. My um, mother is Palestinian and my father's Jordanian. And I grew up kind of between both cultures, having grown up in Australia. And I think culturally, body care is just so ingrained in Middle Eastern women from day one. It's something that you just don't skip out on. It's really taught and passed down from like grandmother to mother to daughter, these body care rituals. But even then, even having seen my grandmother take like rigorous care of her body, having watched my mom apply body oils, her own concoction of body oil after the shower every single time, I still struggled to maintain a body care routine. So I think just the way that our lives are these days and how fast paced our lifestyles are, even if you have a certain level of body care and self-care ingrained in you from whatever your cultural background is, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to maintain that and have access to products that are going to make it sustainable for you to actually implement those practices and that self-care routine every day. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. 
Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That's even how things get lost generation to generation. Because at the end of the day, we can see it all around us. But it's that individual person who then has to create it for themselves. And, you know, one of the things that I love in your story is that you talk about like these serums that you were using for your skincare, they were too small and they were too expensive to even lather all over. And so even as you were thinking about, you know, cost perspective, how do we help people make this be part of the the routine that they create themselves? Because we can see, you know, my mom will not take a photo without lipstick on. And I'm kind of like, it's all right, let's just put a little gloss on and keep it moving, you know, but that's also generational, different from you and I. And so I think it's really interesting when you when you think about the motivation, when you think about you're putting something in the world that's, you know, a serum lotion hybrid, if I use your language, (laughs) Um, but it's, it's really exciting. And so as you think about even how to create new adoption for body care, How are you guys thinking about that from an education perspective, from a content perspective to truly help widen the market just for the brand in general? Yeah, I totally know what you mean. I mean, even that example I gave earlier about my mom applying her own concoction of body oil on a nightly basis. I like our generation, my generation is just not going to do that. Like I'm not going to sit around in my bathroom and wait for 20 minutes for the oil to absorb You know what I mean? I'm, like, I'm just not going to do that. Where our attention spans are lower, we're moving at a faster, pay, a faster pace. We just we need different products from what even those self care and body care principles that are being passed down. They even need to adapt to how we're living today. So um, that made me laugh when you said that. But I guess an extension <laughs> of that is kind of really. I think what we do really well as a brand, and I'll, I always tie this back to our community and those conversations because we're not really doing anything special. I guess what we're doing is probably best described as pretty simple. Like we're just really listening and then creating the products to solve the problems that we're hearing about. And so this idea of we're using serums on our face and we want to be using those on our body because we know that our body could benefit from the actives. But this idea of creating a serum and then that needing to be followed with a lotion, so a two-step routine, as you would for your face, for the body is a path that I think a lot of other body care, body care brands have gone down because it's, it's logical. Like that's how we're doing it for the face. It makes sense that we treat our body like our face is a principle. So let's just build a two-step routine much like we're doing for the face. But what we know from our ongoing conversations is that women are struggling to do one step consistently for their bodies. So this idea that you're going to burden her with two-step routines so that she can get the benefit of active ingredients in serum form is just not realistic. Because I want you to use this product. I want you to use this body care routine every day. So we took that principle to our lab and we came up with this unique formula that allows us to have what we call a serum lotion hybrid. So it gives you the benefit of a serum in terms of 
how the active ingredients are delivered to your body in terms of the texture. So exactly like a serum, it's very fluid. It's extremely spreadable, which solves that annoying part about it being really cumbersome to rub in body lotion into your body. So you get all the benefits of the serum. And then we were able to create the same level of hydration using pretty new and innovative hydrating ingredients that are not hyaluronic acid and other ingredients that help create an occlusive layer on the skin. So you get the same heavy hitting hydration as a lotion and the benefit of it, of all that hydration being locked in as you would in a lotion, but you get it in one step rather than two steps. And I love how you explain it because you're right. It goes back to what you said, like we need products to adapt to how we're living today. And so this notion of a two-step after you've focused on your skin care and then going into body care. And as you were looking at a new way of developing this, especially with the hybrid, how did you go about figuring out the manufacturing and and really your partners there? Because it is very, it's different from what we're used to other than just being, you know, like a cocoa butter. Like this is, it's such a different way of thinking about it that makes so much sense when you combine it. But I know that there's always this interesting conversation we have about finding the right manufacturers to get it the way that you wanted it. So talk a little bit about you, you you have your research, you know what you want to do, you know why it's a serum lotion hybrid. How did you determine the manufacturing piece, pick your partners, and really kind of what the path forward is? So this is one of those stories um, of sheer stubbornness and persistence. <laughs> I knew that we wanted to do something really innovative that hadn't been done before. And to do that, I mean... France is a great place to develop skincare. They're world leaders in the skincare space. And there are some excellent labs, one in particular that is renowned and very well known in the industry for developing the world's best serums. So a lot of the leading serums for face, brands that you would know, products you would know, they develop. So I was like, right, we need to work with them. They're the best people to develop this type of product because they know how to develop serums and that's kind of where we're starting from as a base. But of course they work with the world's major brands and major <laughs> the big guns. They don't, uh-huh. work they don't do small orders kind of in the tens of thousands is what you need to get started in terms of how many units you order with this type of lab. So but I think where we were able to succeed is that no one was really doing what we're doing in the body care space. And I think that was an interesting pitch to them. So I, I just kind of pitched our vision and our brand philosophy, our brand spirit, and was very fortunate that they saw value in what we're trying to build and agreed to work with us as a small brand and kind of adapt their usual processes and requirements to help us launch our first product. So I guess what I would say there is just identifying the best partners to help you achieve what, whatever it is that you're trying to achieve and then approaching it as if you're trying to get them on board as partners for the long term. So really thinking not only how can they help us get our product off the ground and our brand off the ground, but how can we be of value to them? And I think, you know, the innovative part of what we were doing was really interesting to them because no one had really spent this much time thinking or talking about body care. So we were coming at it from a really different angle. And I think they saw value um, in that and were excited to help also push the boundaries internally of what they had done previously in the body care space. So yeah, a bit of luck and just sheer stubbornness, I think I would say. I love that. Well, and 
I love how you talk about it. It's a, it's a two way relationship, right? And the luck and the stubbornness go hand in hand because your persistency also helps them understand like what a value it was. And, and to your point, things that seem impossible, they're working with all these brands, but then you won them over with innovation and their ability to get to have a little bit of fun because sometimes it can be the same type of kind of routine or product or development, but like it is fun. And that's what I love so much about it. Not only does it work so well, I really, I love the products and it's fun. It's kind of what we said about the social aspect of it and really creating something different that didn't exist. And when you think about kind of the future, I think that it's so lovely that you're still doing these conversations, your community, you know, they kind of think of themselves as the, as the only community. And so what do you see as the future of the brand, like the growth strategy, as much as you can share? Yeah. Um, but what does that look like? And how does it continue to grow your, your community? Absolutely. Something that you said that I really loved about pitching these manufacturers as partners, I find it to be a really good sense check because we feel very strongly about not creating product just to put another option on shelf. So you'll never see us do just another version of a body lotion just to add another skew to our range and provide another option. We only make product when we know that it solves a true problem that our core customer and our community are experiencing. So that's our guiding principle. It will always be about that for us. And so that really is our lens in which we view the product development philosophy. Because I'm constantly having these conversations, we're constantly coming up with ideas for products that we can develop to solve, again, those problems and pain points that we know our customer experiencing. So we I get so excited about our future products because they're things that you haven't seen before. And I think much like Summer Skin, it's a product that you're like, ah, I definitely need it. I just didn't know that it was going to manifest in this form, you know? Exactly. And that's where I think it's so fun. And, you know, there's so much to be said about the skinification of beauty and creating Summer Skin and then saying like, I couldn't even imagine all the different things. I think that it's that energy and excitement that really is going to be the changing face of beauty, right? Because as so many things hit the market and hit the shelves, it's really about how do we continue to push ourselves as founders to innovate, but also innovate in a way that connects our consumers into what they want and need. So I think it's just, it's so exciting. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you so much. I'm, I mean, I'm like just bursting with excitement and I think you're a hundred percent right. I don't know that anyone you can launch a brand today in beauty or skincare, given how saturated those spaces are, unless you're doing something truly different. And I think, I mean, I'm the first person to say, I think, you know, as founders, we live, we live with our heads in the clouds. We live in a rea- version of reality that doesn't exist yet. And that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur. But I think sometimes you can get really caught up on this, like, I've got this great idea. It's going to be amazing. And um, I I first set out to create an anti-aging serum for the body and a two-step routine, much like everyone else, because, I mean, those two-step routines didn't exist at the time, but that was the idea that I had. And obviously a lot of other people have because they've subsequently launched products like that. Um, but my idea quickly went to shit excuse my French, when I started speaking to people, <laughs> I realized, 
because I realized that we're not going to do They're not going to do a two-step routine. They don't want a serum and a lotion. They want a solution to a whole bunch of problems they're experiencing and they don't know what that solution is. So I think you have to be humble, I think, and have your ideas torn to pieces and be willing to pivot and truly listen to your community. I think a lot of brands fall into the trap of we're going to create the product and then we're going to give it to our community to test and incorporate their feedback. But the product already exists. So the scope of collaboration is quite limited because they've already created the product. Whereas we don't start with a product. We start with ideas and problems and then reverse engineer the product to solve those problems that our community have told us about. You know, I your approach is just so spot on. And when we think about the future of product development and even the time that it takes to develop product, you're right. It's like you've already developed it based upon your image and vision as a founder. And so you're then losing an entire cycle, in some cases a year, before you can even innovate against that product because you're already there. And so then it becomes, okay, if I can start with this feedback and then be humble, that is, you hit it on the nail. It's always funny as founders. It's like, we love our ideas. We think that they're fantastic. (laughs) And so it's like, well, I was going to do this serum that I was able to pivot and pivot before you were down the line of having to wait a whole lot of money spent and then doing the market research. And so I imagine that your thousand conversations will continue for the life of the brand. Exactly. It's something, I mean, we, I have my diary on the website. Anyone can book in to speak to me at any time. I'm in the DMs. Um, when you DM the brand, it's me. And pretty much everyone I interact with, I give my number to because I genuinely enjoy it so much. Um, and it's something that we, I'll do forever. Like it's just such a core part of, who we are as a brand and how we got started, that it will always be something that I feel strongly about um, even when we hopefully grow and um, and become like one of the key body care brands in the market, which we're certainly aspiring to be. It will be something that I will always make time for. Oh my gosh. You're like, we're, we're aspiring to be that. And, and as we close out, what does the word Ami mean? So the Abby Ami is actually named after my mother. So she is this outrageous woman who has this just uncontainable zest for life. She has bright red hair um, and she's really inspired. And, you know, I really owe her everything. I am who I am because of her. So when we were sitting around thinking of how can we create this really fun brand that is born out of community and born out of friends and who is this woman? And we were kind of brainstorming. And I found myself in those workshop meetings describing my mom. I was like, oh, well, (laughs) I'm like trying to come up for a name for a woman that actually already exists. So we took, her name is Abby. So we took Abby um, and then we added the second word, Anne, which is a play on the French word for um, soul. And also, yeah, so that those two words combined um, are really reflective of the spirit of the brand. Oh my gosh, I love that. The relationship that we get to have with our moms, it's so special and so beautiful. And then being able to bring the soul of that into what you're creating, it's just so special. And there's so much that goes into a name and making sure that 
the name represents and reflects what we want to do. It's hard. Naming a product is hard. And so that's really, um, it's really special. I love that. Thank you so much. I feel you. Naming products and brands is so hard. <laughs> Everything. And it's like between the patents and the legal and the trademark and the, you know, it's, it's really, it's tricky to find something original. And we also have to be careful I learned a lot from Bobby Brown, you know, when she talks about using her name and kind of the growth and how she's created her own brand. So that's a whole other show, but there is a lot in terms of, of the, in terms of the name with that, with Abby Ame, it's just, it's beautiful. And as we close out, we always, we are about community. We're about our friends in business, sisters in arms, as you will, sister Pernice says, um, so we always like to ask, is there a brand um, that you personally love as we pay homage and we celebrate Abby May? Is there another brand that you'd like to shout out? Oh, I love this. Yes. So one brand that really came into my mind straight away because I really love what they're building is a, um, a beauty makeup brand called Cool Feet. I don't know if you Ooh, know. Do tell. How do you spell it? K-U-L-F-I. Cool Feet Makeup. Nice. And it's actually named after um, an Indian dessert. It's ice cream, which I love. <laughs> and their um, philosophy is really like this beautiful celebration of, of culture and beauty and was born out of this like kind of lack of South Asian representation in the beauty space. And the founder, Priyanka, has, is just really one of those kind souls that has been so generous in helping other female founders, including me, get their start in this in this really nice way. And so um, I, I love what they're building and, and Priyanka's just like such a nice person and I think really cares about helping other female founders um, get a leg up. I love that. You know, it's all about how do we build our brain trust around us to help us that we can kind of look up to and aspire. And, you know, Yasmin, one thing, I know I told you that was it, but as you were talking about Priyanka and what she's building in this celebration of culture and beauty, I did want to just ask you, you know, when you think about you're an author, Loving Sundays in Paris, you're a world traveler, um, you have such a beautiful culture and from law, the beauty founder and all these different moments, what would you say has been the defining moment um, really of your career up until now? That is a great question. I mean, the defining moment for me was taking that risk and leaving the security and comfort of a full-time job to really pursue. At the time, it was just an idea. And so I think if you are willing to take that risk and you've done enough research and you're comfortable that your idea really has legs and you pursue it in a genuine fashion with all of, wholeheartedly and you go about it in a really kind and authentic way, I think doors just open. It's like some kind of universal law. Things will just start to unfold for you in a way um, that's supportive of that. And that was certainly my experience. But taking that first leap of faith was a really pivotal moment and I wouldn't have been here had I not done that. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for sharing it's always, I think that's kind of what separates us, right? Like who's going to take that first leap of faith and who's going to continue to sit there. 
and it's hard. But when we do, when we have the outcomes on the other side, I think it's truly, you know, if this is the life that we have and there's a journey, like that first leap of faith is really everything. So I love that. Thank you for sharing, Yasmin. Thank you for being on the show. Truly appreciate you sharing everything. And I'm so excited for Summer Skin and what else is to come. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you for having me. And every week I share an influencer I'm checking out. And thank you, Yasmin. Let's all support Kulfi Beauty. That is at K-U-L-F-I dot beauty on Instagram. And it's makeup you can play with celebrating the joy of South Asia. And with that, I love to leave you with one thing from today's guest. And that is, what leap of faith will you take to propel you into your destiny? Yasmin talked about her defining moment of taking that first leap of faith. So what leap of faith will you take to lead you into your destiny? And as always, follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and we love to hear from you. Leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next week. Business of the Beat is hosted by Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, assistant producer Jenny Salk, executive producer Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, edited by Fishmar Creative, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the Business of the Beat podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcast, And on IG at Business of the Beat. Business of the Beat is a mean old line media production. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.